This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. I'll tell you, I know a lot of people in this audience are astute observers of not only current events, but American history. And when it comes to looking at American history, it seems like the Eisenhower era can largely be viewed as the point in which modern America began. If you want to talk about highways and interstate travel, it began with the Eisenhower era. If we're talking about modern warfare and how it began, how we got to where we are today, so much focuses on things like the D-Day invasion and how Ike changed the world and changed warfare during World War II. If we're talking about how television changed politics, you really have to look at the last time Americans were willing to elect a bald president. These days, when we have an 80-year-old running against a 77-year-old for president, so many Americans seem to think, where are the good old days when we had a young, vibrant 62-year-old like Dwight Eisenhower running for president? And of course, as we look at the international stage, what's happening in places like Ukraine and Afghanistan, you can't avoid having a discussion about what General Eisenhower referred to as the military-industrial complex, as he did here in his farewell address. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. Well, now there is a new look at the legacy of one of the most important leaders in American history. There is a one-man show that is getting rave reviews, an off-Broadway show that everybody is talking about, and Ike has been brought back to life by Tony Award-winning actor John Rubenstein, who plays President Dwight Eisenhower in Eisenhower, this piece of ground. John, uh, thanks so much for joining me on the on the radio. Congratulations on all the great notices the show was getting. Well, thank you. It's a great pleasure to be talking to you. Uh, John, does uh, Eisenhower still matter today? He hasn't been alive for decades, hasn't been president in even longer. Should Americans still care about Eisenhower today? I think they should care about Eisenhower more today than perhaps uh, since he was around. The thing about Eisenhower is he got a tremendous amount of stuff done and it was sort of ignored. There's a comparison to sort of what Biden is doing right now. He's getting a tremendous amount done in spite of a recalcitrant 
House of Representatives, but it's largely being ignored. It's be, it, people don't know about it. They they know every tweet that that Trump comes up with, but the huge benefit to this country that has been so far the Biden presidency is something that is ignored. And I think this very similar thing happened in Eisenhower's day. Uh, I'm going to put aside the uh, comparing Biden's accomplishments to Eisenhower's accomplishments for the moment, because that's going to, I think, open up a, a whole hornet's nest uh, of uh, comparison in the minds of the audience as well. Here's a little bit of uh, John Rubenstein as Dwight Eisenhower in Eisenhower, This Piece of Ground. Some days it feels like democracy is going to have a hell of a time persevering. But this piece of ground that we all share, if we're going to leave our young people something better, then we just can't be complacent. It's going to have to be the nation that we're serving, not just ourselves. We have to keep choosing the harder right instead of the easier wrong and never be content with half truth when the whole truth can be ours. Maybe it's the optimist in me, but I believe we can. John, as we look at this and as we listen to you uh, quite effectively there as, as Ike, what period in his life does this play cover? Basically, it covers the whole thing. The The play itself takes place on one particular afternoon in 1962 when, and I remember this as a 15-year-old right then, there was a, an article in the New York Times magazine uh, compare, ranking all of the presidents up to that point. And they had little pictures of all the presidents. And there was a big pres- a picture of Kennedy on the, on the first page because he had just been elected a year before. And it, it ranked them. And Eisenhower reads this and finds his ranking quite low and his ego is hurt. And it starts as a sort of a rant into a tape recorder where he's been recording for his editor, uh, the new book that he's writing about his presidency. So there's this tape recorder, and he's recording, but he's complaining about how his low ranking doesn't seem fair to him. And then halfway through it, he stops and he realizes what these historians, 75 historians have put this ranking together. What they're looking for is some kind of more... um, sweeping definition of what greatness is in a leader, in a president, in in world politics. And so the, the play then becomes his reflection about his whole life. It goes back to his his birth and his mother and his father and all the influences, his his many brothers, and then his service in the military, and then his presidency. And so it really covers the whole thing. Wow. And now it it sounds uh, really interesting. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. 
You alluded to that historical ranking, which is sort of the jumping off point for this show. His historical ranking has improved significantly over the course of the last 60 years. Why do you think historians view him more positively now than they did in 1962? Well, for many, many reasons. Uh, Books have been written about him and details have come out about what he did, how he did it, why he did it, both in in the Second World War when he was a general, but then also when he was president of Columbia University for a number of years. Then he was the first commander of NATO. He put NATO together as a peacekeeping organization, uh, as opposed to a war-making one. And then he served as president for eight years. And the politicians that that we have seen over the years since him um, haven't had the same kind of empathy and caring and humility that he had. Arguably, he was the most powerful man in the 20th century, being in charge of all of those things that I've just uh, mentioned. Um, he always maintained his humble approach to the people whom he was responsible for, the soldiers he was sending into battle, the citizens of this country that he was the president of for for eight years, elected by landslides, and uh, the people of Europe uh, that that he was putting together uh, as members of NATO. He always was concerned with bettering the lives of the people that he served, as opposed to bettering his own image, making money on the side, becoming more and more powerful, and being revered. None of that interested him. He wanted to better people's lives. And that is one of the things that I think makes him so memorable and so worthy of attention even now after 70 years. We're talking with John Rubenstein, a Tony Award winning actor playing Dwight Eisenhower in Eisenhower, This Piece of Ground. It's uh, showing uh, until August 20th at the Theater at St. Clement's in uh, Midtown Manhattan. If people want to get tickets, they can go to New York City Theater.com. That's New York City Theater.com. Uh, John, it's, if I was ranked in my profession firmly within the middle of everybody that's ever done it, I'd be pretty down. I'd be pretty blue, pretty depressed. When we think of Eisenhower, at least the public image of him as a military leader, as a president, a former president, as a Columbia president, we think of someone who's sort of stoic, sort of has a quiet toughness to him, and that doesn't necessarily get bogged down in things like uh, feeling blue, feeling depressed, getting their feelings hurt. Since this play covers uh, you know, Eisenhower's reaction to that, was he a man that was capable of uh, bouts of depression and, and getting his feelings hurt by media criticism? To be honest, I don't know. That's, that's the most truthful answer I can give you. But he did have a very well-documented uh, temper. He had a, a huge temper, but it wasn't concerned with his ego and and his standing. It was concerned with things that had gone wrong, people who had not done their job correctly and and had put people in in jeopardy of some kind. So he had a very, very big temper. This play, I think, takes that little bit of fictional liberty in allowing the play to kick off Mm. on him reading that low ranking and saying, what the 
what could that be? And starting to say, now, wait a minute, let me set the record straight. And that just is a, is a departure point for the rest of the play. This play is adapted from some of his own words, um, speeches, memoirs, uh, other things. How much, just so people know when they go to see this, how much is the literal truth and how much is literary license? Is the, I guess the question I'm asking, is the history pretty accurate here? The history is absolutely accurate. The only part is what I just described. The only part that is made up by the playwright is Ike turning on his tape recorder and complaining to the historians about their low ranking of him, which is just just the way the play starts. It doesn't stay there. Um, no, every single thing that I say as Ike during this uh, play are things that he said, either uh, in a speech or wrote in a book or was quoted by an interviewer who interviewed him. So it's a direct quote. Um, or things that, that his family even wrote about him. So nothing has been added on by the playwright to make it sound a little bit more contemporary or to make it sound a little bit more interesting or dramatic. Every single fact and, and basically almost verbatim, uh, the things that are in the play are what Eisenhower said himself. Uh, I can, I'm not an actor, but I can think of few things more challenging for an actor than doing a one-man show. I mean, if you're an actor in a broad ensemble cast, even in a live theatrical production, you forget your lines for a minute. Somebody's there to prod you in the right direction. You're doing a one-man show. You're out there all on your own, walking that tightrope. Is this the first one-man show you've done? Yes. Yes, it is. And I agree with you. It is like walking a tightrope, you know, because you, you you walk out onto that stage and there's nothing there to do. There's no orchestra to play a play a vamp for you to sing. Mm -hmm. There's no other people to talk to you. So, yes, it's it's very scary, actually, and, and slightly lonely. I, I learned doing this play, which I way I love the play and I love doing it and I feel the audience absolutely clinging to every word which I didn't expect I was a little bit afraid it would feel like a history lecture no it doesn't it's a very dramatic and emotional journey through this man's career and life but um, part of the joy of being an actor is the team spirit, the, the thing of you, you meet your cast on the first day of rehearsal, you all sort of bond, and then you have to play all these scenes with each other, your lovers or your murderers or whoever you are, and you, you form a family kind of feeling that's very, very um, deep, actually, and, and friendships last for, for years. I show up to the theater nowadays, and instead of rolling up my sleeve and saying, okay, guys, let's do our play tonight, it's just me sitting alone in my dressing room and then trudging out on stage. So uh, I do miss that feeling of, of team, teamwork and team spirit. But other than that, it's tremendously rewarding. 
Uh, I'm going to see the show uh, Friday with my wife, and uh, I think a lot of people might be listening and kind of selfishly wondering, it, it might be tough for you to do a one-man show. Is it difficult at times for the audience? I, is it tough to keep people interested and engaged when it's just you up there without necessarily broad musical numbers and all these other uh, lavish things? Uh, my wife's not going to fall asleep as we're watching you, is she? Well, I don't know. You know, I have to admit uh, to my shame that I'm an avid theater goer, have been all my life since I was a little boy. And I myself have fallen asleep in plays that I was loving, that I was totally immersed in, but I was tired. You know, I hadn't slept enough that night or I had a, you know, a big exam at eight the next morning. And so I've, I'm very forgiving and understanding of anybody who might nod off. That said, our audiences don't do that. They, they watch this play. They're extremely quiet. They laugh at the funny parts, but they are hanging on every word at the end. Most generally, they jump to their feet and, and uh, yell out bravos and stuff they they it's written it's not me it's the writing the playwright wrote it and the director directed it in such a way there are projections pictures of people and moments in eisenhower's life as i'm talking about them and that is a tremendous help i don't think it's a it's um it's a sleeper at all. I think it's it's a great piece of theater and a, and a wonderful way to delve into American history. That's great. Uh, talking with John Rubenstein, starring as Eisenhower in Eisenhower, This Piece of Ground. If you, It's at the theater at St. Clement's. If you want tickets, you can also call 844-483-9008. That's 844-483-9008. This is the last week of the show, uh, at least for now. John, how do you prepare to play such a well-known historical figure? If you were playing Christopher Columbus or Julius Caesar or Abraham Lincoln, the audience would have no idea what that person actually sounded like. We can go online and see what I looked like, what he sounded like, and listen to him uh, forever. Is Does that make things easier for you because you have some source material to work on, or does it make it tougher for you because you know that people can compare you to what this real figure actually sounded like? Well, I, I think for me in, in this particular case, which is my only experience of doing I have played real people a bunch of times. I played uh, Einstein one time, and I listened to his to his speaking English, and his German accent was so pronounced, so heavy, that I said, oh, my gosh, I'll sound like I'm making fun of him, you know. So I did Einstein, and I brought it back a little bit. I made his heavy, heavy German accent be a little lighter so that, A, that you could understand me a little bit better, but, B, so that it wouldn't appear like I'm trying to overact. In Ike's particular case, I listened to a bunch of tapes of him talking. I mean, I remember his presidency. I was there for the whole thing. I even met him when I was about nine years old at the White House. And he had this very authoritative way of talking from the Midwest. And I, I know many people from the Midwest very well. And, I, and his accent was exactly like a, a particular person that I knew. So I, I find myself, I'm talking like him. I talk like that man. And he sounds a lot like Eisenhower. And not only the accent, 
but the authority with which he spoke. He was a, a public school principal, and he was used to being listened to and, and taken seriously when he talked. And so Eisenhower had that same kind of thing, and it was pretty easy. I don't look like Eisenhower at all. I've shaved most of my hair off, so I look relatively bald. And uh, other than that, I'm not going for an absolute, you know, impersonation, carbon copy of Eisenhower. I talk like him pretty well, and I'm saying what he said, and that's about it. And I'm sure the moment I walk on stage, people, some of them at least, say, oh, he doesn't look like Ike. And then about you know, a minute in, I think they've forgotten about that, and mm. it's really about who he is and what he's saying. You know, it's funny. I had read that you met uh, President Eisenhower as a nine-year-old. What was the circumstance in which you found yourself meeting the president as a young man? Well, my father was a, a very well-known pianist, or uh, concert pianist, and he every year played in Washington, D.C., and we lived here in New York. And uh, so we would go down there with him sometimes, not every time. And a, a good friend of his in Washington was friends with Sherman Adams, who was uh, Eisenhower's chief of staff. And um, Sherman Adams invited my father and mother and my sister and I to the White House uh, for a tour. And he gave us this tour. And at one point he passed a room where Ike himself was addressing a, a big group of people. I have no idea who they were. And uh, Sherman Adams sort of gestured to him, come here. And Eisenhower said, excuse me a moment, and he stepped down off of this sort of podium thing he was at and wove his way through the crowd and came to the doorway where we were all standing. And he talked to my mother and father for quite a bit, and he bent down and he shook my hand and my sister's, how, how are you, young fella? You know, that kind of thing. And I was so excited. Now, I've never forgotten it. I can't pretend that I had a very meaningful discussion about anything with him, but um, that memory lives on. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The um, uh, how do you think Ike would do in the cable news era that we're living in the, today? You described him, I think, very accurately as an authoritative figure, um, sort of very different from the bombastic leaders that we're accustomed to these days. How do you think he'd do if he were running for office today? I think he'd do very well, mostly because he was eloquent. He knew how to frame a discussion to frame a, a, a subject that he was trying to communicate. And he drove his speechwriters crazy because he w would keep redoing and redoing and rewriting himself by hand his speeches because he was, he said that words were tremendously important when you got into some kind of a high office like that. It, it wasn't simply what you did how you framed it, how you spoke about it. And those are the things that live on and, and that people read and listen to. So I think he would have done very, very well. He was a great public speaker and a great writer of his own 
speeches. So I, I think he would have done very, very well. Um, he was not a partisan guy. He was not a very loyal Republican, not he could, could be considered just as easily a Democrat on a lot of policies before he ran for office as a Republican. There was talks of trying to get him to run as a Democrat. Uh, that is pretty unusual today. Was it also unusual in the 1950s? I think so. I, I think that the partisanship, although it, I don't think it was quite as as ugly and and frightening as it is nowadays. I don't think people in Congress, in governors' mansions, in in state legislatures, allowed themselves the, the vitriol and the virtual verbal violence that they allow themselves today. But that said, I do think the partisanship was very similarly divided and and you know heated up and eisenhower was a reluctant debutante he didn't want to go into the military he had no interest in a military life he went into west point because that gave him a college education that he otherwise couldn't afford so that was the only way he could mm. get that that's the only reason but then once at west point he put his father's and mother's teachings to work and he became very, very good at his job. And that was true with politics. He had no interest. He didn't want to be in politics at all. But after World War II, when he had sort of distinguished himself in such a big way, um, he he was constantly asked to run. And he, mm. he didn't want to be a Democrat. He didn't want to be a Republican. He wanted to stay out. But then the needs of the country became... Uh, uh, paramount to him. They were the the isolationists led by Robert Taft. And there was the, you know, a whole sort of wave of people who wanted to, similar to, to, to many who want them now, to just stay out of world affairs and just concentrate on on America. And he, he felt that that was going to be a, a big damaging blow, mm. not only to this country, but to the world. And that's John- why he ran. We're going to have to end it there. Um, I'm sure. looking forward to seeing the, the play. I hope it gets extended and more people get the opportunity to see it and maybe even uh, that it will play in other cities. Uh, the show is called Eisenhower, This Piece of Ground. Uh, people can see it at the theater at St. Clement's. It's at NewYorkCityTheater.com, or you can call 844-483-9008. Thank you very much, John. Best of luck. Thank you so much. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you can give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight.